thank you that your mercies are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God, to us to perform your word. We're so grateful, we're so thankful for your goodness and your mercy that endures forever and ever and ever. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, that was shed on our behalf, the price we could not pay. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so we thank you for that blood and the power of that blood to wash, to cleanse, to sanctify, to heal, to deliver, to set free and to make whole. That that blood has never lost its power. And it's sprinkled even today upon the mercy seat in heaven. That place where we meet with you, the almighty God. That place where the blood is sprinkled. We can have a meeting place because of your faithfulness. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. Holy Spirit, fill this house. Hover in this place, knowing every heart, knowing every life, knowing every situation and circumstance. I know that you are ready to minister to every heart, every life, every body in healing, deliverance, and wholeness. We thank you, Lord. (laughs) Do what only you can do. We pray right now for the church to rise up, to be strengthened. God, that we as the church would lay aside the sin and the weight that has so easily ensnared us. Forgive us for just going along with the course of this world, not realizing it's dictated by the prince of the power of the air, just falling into that place of following the world without even thinking about it. We ask you to forgive us that we might really set those things aside and rise as your church in this day, in this hour, that we would rise with the revelation of your glory, we would rise with the strength of your power, that we would be an entity, a life that goes on in the earth today that would affect and shine light in the dark places, that the power of God would break down strongholds and mindsets that abound people in darkness and deception, created strife, division, disease, and poverty. God, we thank you that the church will rise and do what only the church can do in this day and this hour. I thank you for a gathering together of your church like never before. A gathering together of your people like never before. Your word declares that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And there's a reason for it. For when your church gathers together, there is a unity and there is a power and there is a strength that is dynamically brought together supernaturally. That when we leave that gathering point. We are stronger. We are more encouraged and we are ready to be the light to the world around us. So move in your church like never before and strengthen your church like never before. Reveal to your church the times that we live in like never before. That we would be the influence in our nation and the world that you've called us to be. We pray for our leaders of our nation, Lord God, that there would be a move and an outpouring of the Spirit of God upon our leaders, that you would begin to deal with every single heart and to break up the hardness of heart that has developed in our leadership that creates division and strife and will not even allow them to see the difference between right and wrong. It's just about one side or another. 
We ask you to do what only you can do. Break up the fallow ground. Take out of them a stony heart and put in them a heart of flesh that they might begin once again to work together and recognize and realize the necessity of the day and the season and the time that we live in. The strongholds that have gripped our nation would be broken. That life would once again be a predominant value to our leaders in our nation. Every life. I thank you, Lord, for healing our president's body. Driving out all manner of sickness and disease. Let him have an encounter with you in that hospital room that begins to work and to change everything about him and strengthen him for the days that are ahead of him to lead this nation and make decisions in the midst of confusion, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of opposition. Give him wisdom to make the right decisions at the right time that we as a people might lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence. Put your hand upon our nation that our nation might rise and fulfill its divine destiny to be a light to the nations of the world. That the gospel might go forth into every nation. That we might see the return of Jesus in our generation. God, we thank you for encouraging and teaching and anointing each one that's watching, each one that's in this room. Strengthening them with grace for the days that are ahead of them. That they truly in every area of their life might deal with every situation by faith in God and your word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That truly will experience triumph and victory over the strategies of the enemy like we never have before. Father, we thank you right now and we pray over this prayer cloth for this one that will go into surgery tomorrow. We pray that when this cloth is laid upon their body, dynamic change happens in their body. That healing power, miracle working power, restorative power begins to flow through their very being. That they would be 100% healed and whole. That the doctors would be amazed. Send them home wondering what in the world happened. You shed your blood. You paid the price. So on the basis of Acts, the 19th chapter, we declare healing anointing to saturate this cloth. And when it's laid upon their body, it begins to work a supernatural healing and a cure. We declare it. We look for a good report and we thank you for it. We thank you for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, and everyone who agreed said, amen. amen. Good morning, church. <laughs> How are you this morning? It's a great day to be alive. We're so glad to be with you. Everybody who's joining us by online or by live stream, our, our Meeker campus, we want to welcome you. It's good to have you with us. Praise the Lord. Well, why don't you look across the room or look at somebody next to you and say, the life of God dwells in me. And the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God 
everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Whew. David is in the fishbowl. Dear Lord, have mercy. You did an awesome job, by the way. But that just still tells us if you're a drummer, you need to find your place in the body. When our guitar player, sound guy, and everything has to go into the fishbowl, we, we, need, we need a drummer. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, now is the time. So now is the time. We are the people. And this is the place of the moving of the Spirit of God. Come on, now's the time. Not some other time. Now's the time. And so we're talking about what about now? What about right now? Sometimes we don't take serious really the importance and the value that God has given us and the understanding of time and windows of time and how we redeem time because time is really something that you can't get back. Once it is gone, you cannot get it back. And so what we do now determines what happens next. I'll just say that again. What you do now, what I do now, determines what happens next. And so sometimes we just let now go by without thinking. I love what Alan said. You know, we can get it just into a groove. You know, even with our tithes and offerings, our giving, our day-to-day life, we can just go to bed and wake up and go to work, and it almost just becomes a, a habit that we go through, and we're not thinking about what am I doing right now. We just, we get into the point where we're not thinking about what we're doing. It becomes such a habit to what we're doing that in all reality, we stop living by faith and we start living by habit. And the just shall live by faith. And we have to look right now and say, really in our hearts, and I know sometimes our mind gets involved and says, oh man, that would just be so hard. But it's not because there's things in our heart when we plant them there that every situation, every circumstance, every encounter with a person, you can stop and begin to think about and understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, what he has done, who you are in Christ, what that means, what he's doing in you right now, what he wants to do through you, and you can begin to process and put your trust in that and have that make a dynamic difference to what will happen next. Listen, if you enter into every encounter, if I enter into every encounter knowing what Christ has done for me and who I am in Christ... I enter into it with faith in that. That determines what happens next in that encounter. It'll make the difference whether I'm listening to hear if there's something that I need to do. Is there something I need to pray? Is there hands that I need to lay upon them? Is there an encouraging word that I need to bring? What's going to happen next in this encounter with this person? Well, I don't know. I'm thinking it could be bad. I don't want it. Business is bad. And we put our faith in all those circumstances, but when we are putting our faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us and what he's made us to be, it determines what's going to happen next if we're putting faith in that. But so often we're walking by habit. We're walking by the appointment of the day. We're walking by the circumstance and the wind of the day, and we have an encounter that God has set up. And what happens next is we just go with the flow. We go in the course of this world, and we miss opportunities that are presented to us. Or we have a bad encounter and we walk away and we allow that to dominate our life instead of walking away and saying, you know what? 
That was a strategy of the enemy. I still put my trust in what Jesus has done for me. I still know who I am in Christ, no matter what that encounter said. I still know that God is working in me, and I still have something to do for the kingdom of God. Whatever we do on either side of that determines what happens next. Will we go into the two because we had a bad experience, we had a bad argument, we had a bad financial uh, day? Or do we walk away from that with faith in God that determines tomorrow will not be the same as today? And it's something that happens in a moment's time, but it can slow down. We can slow things down by becoming proficient and living every day by faith and filling our hearts and and the knowledge of our, our lives with what God has planned and what he's done and what he's doing. You know, we watch people do things, and when they become very proficient at it, and you watch them, many of us try things. We try to do things because somebody who's really good at it makes it look easy. I remember years ago, Larry over here, he's a ski instructor, and so this was back when I was skiing before I started snowboarding, and uh, so I went skiing with Larry, and so we went over, we did a black diamond run, and I'm not very good at moguls at all, and so, but Larry, he, he... puts his skis together, he starts down moguls, and I'm just watching Larry, and it doesn't even look like Larry's hardly moving. He's just taking them so smooth. You know, he's not racing. He's not bam, bam, bam. He's just moving down, and I'm like, well, there it is. All you have to do is slow down. And I started just trying to stay with Larry, and I was falling all over the place. And I just got to the bottom. I thought, how does he make that look so easy and he looks like, you, you just look like, that's just too easy. I could do that, but you can't. Why? Because he's good at it. See, and so often we make Christian life look so difficult to the world around us. Oh, man, I got to be a Christian. Oh, man, I got to do what's right. Oh, man. And the world's like, why would I want to do that? That's too hard. Sin looks a lot easier. But if we start living it, it's who we are. We start becoming good at it. And the world will look and say, that's easy. I can do that. Certainly, they don't understand the challenge. But when they start to say, you make this look so easy, but it's not, how do you do it? And we start declaring that it's really by faith in Jesus that we begin to accomplish and do what we do. And because of faith in the grace that God gives us, not faith in our own ability, not faith in our own strength, but faith in the grace of God, the favor that rests upon our life, the divine influence that's always leading and guiding and directing us, the power that rests upon us to do what we do, finding the grace and walking in the grace, it's the grace that makes it easy. And we put faith in the grace. For the grace of God has made everything available. And faith makes it possible. When we start living our life in the grace of God by faith, all of a sudden this Christian life becomes extraordinary. And it's difficult, but it's easy. And so Paul said, listen, I found something out about the grace of God that I rejoice in my weaknesses. My weaknesses would make this life so difficult because I'm not strong enough to handle it. But I realize that when I'm weak with grace, then I'm strong. 
What to the natural man would look like I'm carrying around a heavy burden and weighed down and can't hardly handle it. When the grace of God comes upon me, I look stronger. I look superhuman to handle the situations of life. So if we're not careful, we go by and we just think in a habit every day. Well, I read my Bible. I go to church. This is just my habit that I do. But it's time to really dig in and stop and say, am I really putting faith in this? Am I really trusting God with every day of my life? Am I really relying upon him and the spirit of God and the word of God in all of my encounters and all that I do? Am I really adhering to my relationship? Am I really adhering to the word of God? Am I relying upon my own strength? Am I being faithful to God and his word or am I more faithful to other things in life? If we concentrate on that, we really start to find out, I do live every day by faith. I didn't all of a sudden forget, and I'm not, since Alan said it, I'm, I'm using it, but I didn't walk out and forget to leave my offering today, as important as it was. Because he's not the only one that's walked out and forgot his offering. Come on, we get so used to the bucket going by. We got to stop at the receptacle and we find out we got home and went, wow, they didn't make it easy for me. I actually had to do something. <laughs> right? And so often we do that. We're, we're a culture of convenience. And so if, it, if it's easy for me, it's just easy for it to lay in line. But when it gets difficult, do I really actually apply, diligently apply my faith to the things of life? Or am I looking for God to make it easy for me? And so Galatians 2.20 this is our foundational text. Paul said this. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I used to live a life on my own. I used to live a life dictated to by the course of this world. I used to live a life of religion, but the life that I right now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And I've been challenging each and every one of us to concentrate on that and say, what, how am I living right now in the course of this life? And I will just tell you that over the last six to eight months as I have been processing this once again in my, my life and walking away from situations and encountering situations, and I'll be, be just transparent and honest, I walk away from them more having to apply this faith than I've walked into them. <laughs> but because I walk away from an encounter applying faith, I walk into the next one in better shape. Then I left the last one. And what is becoming more and more dominant coming right out of my heart when I leave that is no matter how I feel about the encounter, good, bad, or indifferent, my faith is in Jesus Christ. And the blood and what he did for me to forgive me, to wash me, to redeem me, and to sanctify me. Did I handle that encounter? God, did I handle that encounter like a son of God? Did I handle it like I, I, I'm really the one who can show forth and reflect the goodness of God or not? Because that's who I now am. I'm not simply the mere man. I'm not simply Mark Bentliff, but I am a child of the Most High God. And am I just acting like my old nature or am I acting like I'm a son or a daughter of God? And I try to always think about God, what are you doing? What are you doing in me right now? What are you changing in me right now? What is it that you want me to set aside? And what is it that you want me to pick up? Because I know 
that you have encounters for me and you want to show me great and mighty things to come and you want me to be a conduit of your mighty power to change somebody's life. And that sounds like a long process, but you can begin to put your faith in that in a moment's time. And I challenge you to begin to think about that, the things that we're talking about, to be doers of this word and not hearers only because it begins to change your life. I've been in, in different counseling sessions and conversations where people are struggling with a number of areas of their life, with their family, with their kids, with the coronavirus, with the politics that are going on. And in that, just stop for a moment in different ways, encountering what they're encountering. They may not know it. They may know it. I just slide this in, what we've been talking about. I know you're troubled, but can we think about what God has done? And in every single situation, they've left with a hope on their face that this can be taken care of. Why? Because living right now by faith in the Son of God changes everything. It actually changes everything. What he did in Christ Jesus gives you anything you need and everything you need that pertains to life and godliness. You all of a sudden get into an encounter uh, in a relationship. You have a fight with your spouse. You, you, your kids are, are, are doing something that they're not supposed to be doing. You get a bad check in the mail, and you stop for a moment and say, but the blood of Jesus has redeemed me from every evil thing. He set me apart as a son and a daughter of God. I'm an heir of his and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. And really, I understand that the decisions that I made to say what I said, to do what I did, to engage in what I did, put me in that place, but I'm no longer that same person, that I'm a son and a daughter of God. I have the wisdom of God working in my veins. He's working in me to will and to do of his good pleasure, and all of a sudden, things start to snap into shape to say, listen, this is not something that's going to take me down and consume my time, my energy, and my thinking. I've now recaptured. The thought that I have faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. And if it can always return to the forefront of our thinking, to shot riding shotgun every single day, wherever we go, it's a transformation. And off of these truths, it will take you everywhere in Scripture to bring light to the glorious gospel for whatever you have need of. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 35, it says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, your faith in God, because it has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. He's talking about continuing. If this is what you believe, when you encounter a difficulty, if you say, I believe in the blood of Jesus Christ, I believe that I'm a son and a daughter and an heir and an ambassador and a reconciler to God, if that's who I believe that I am, and I believe that what he's done for me is he's washed me, he's cleansed me, he's redeemed me, and he's sanctified me. And he's working something different on the inside of me. Then I need to endure. I need to stand. I know something's going to come in the face of all of that. But I hold fast my confidence that that's who's, whose I am 
and what I have. And you'll get from the beginning of that controversy to the end in that same faith, that same hope. Don't cast away your confidence because it has great reward. And you'll receive what God promised you if you remain in that place. He said, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and he will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But anyone who draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Before we get into just a little bit more today, I want to encourage you in this scripture. And we talked about it in in our last series of messages. But it can continue to be overwhelming to us. We are not of those who draw back. Come on, God has something incredible in our future. God has something incredible for you right now to partake of that will set up tomorrow. But when you find yourself discussing with people, when is it going to get back to normal? We are not a people who are drawing back to normal. Understand this, that the children of Israel got delivered from slavery into a path to the promised land. And they said, when are we going to get back to normal in Egypt? We don't want to get back to normal where we just do things by habit, where we don't press into God, where we don't consider every day. What does today look like? The one thing that quarantine and isolation did is it made us think about what's going, what do we do today because we don't know what tomorrow holds. How do we deal with our marriage? Tasha said this, marriages are in trouble. Suicide's up. Domestic violence is up. Come on, as a nation, we have to think about this. What kind of condition were we in that spending large amounts of time with our family creates problems? What happened to our nation? Underlying currents are to break up the family. This should reveal to us the underlying currents, the underlying doctrine of of darkness working in our nation declares that it's looking to break down and break apart the family. And we got caught into it without even thinking about it. And then something happened that we had to be with our family. And we're like, man, this is nuts. It shouldn't have been nuts. It shouldn't have caused a problem. We should have been in a loving relationship. We should have been with our children. We should have seen these things. So we had a moment to go, whoa, spending time with my family is great. Don't be thinking, man, I'll be glad when when we don't have to spend time together anymore. We're not those who draw back to the things that are wrong, but we press in to the saving of the family, to the saving of marriages. We press in to the saving of the things that have undermined those things. We're not going back to normal. We're stepping up to exceptional, to supernatural. We're believing God for more, not going back to less, but believing God for more. Believing God to restore our families like never before. Believing God to make it the best quarter to prosper us like never before. Believing God for opportunities with people that we never had before because they were going every direction. But now they don't know. They're in darkness. They're afraid. They're shook up. 
Opportunities present themselves to us like never before. We're not looking to draw back to normal. We're looking to step up. But we can't do it in timidity. We can't do it in not knowing. We have to have faith in God and confidence in who we are in Christ and what's going on in us by the power of the Spirit and what it is that he has for us to do every single day. And so we spent some time talking about who we, what Jesus has done for us, who we are. I want to just spend a few moments today talking about faith in, by his word and his spirit, what he is doing in you, what he's doing in me. In John, the 15th chapter, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, this little section here, Caleb, you won't have this, but we'll pick up with the scriptures you do have. I knew he'd start looking. Where do I have that one? You don't have these next couple of scriptures just to tell you. John 15, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, my word lives in you. There's a reason why he wants his word to live in us, not just go through mentally. We read it and it went there, but to live in us. He said, when you, when the word of God dwells in us or lives in us, you can ask whatever you desire and it'll be done by the father, which is in heaven. He said, listen, when you know the difference of your desires and what God has planned for you, and it's living on the inside of you, there's something that God is doing by the power of his word to change your emotional makeup, your mental makeup. There's something that the word of God, by the nature of the life that is in the word of God, that will grab a hold of strongholds, ideas, and mindsets that have hindered you and start to break them down and bring them down. The word is not something that we were just to read and put on the shelf and say, I fulfilled that reading for the day, but to get it down on the inside, it's a life, it's a living thing that dwells on the inside of your living spirit to begin to create something brand new. Paul exhorted the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, and he said, it's up to you to let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And he said, what will come from that place of, of the word dwelling in you richly with wisdom? It'll cause you to begin to admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. He said, listen, when the word of God is dwelling in you, when you let it dwell in you richly, it starts to do something to bring wisdom. It starts to bring an encouragement to others. It starts to bring a song to your heart. It starts to bring a melody, a bringing together of life's perspective in, according to God's word and creates a melody in your heart. Come on, some of us, the song that's going on in our heart sounds more like kids banging on drums and clacking on whatever those things are, right? Just sounds like you put a bunch of preschoolers in there, give them a bunch of instruments, and they start playing, and you're like, ah, oh, that's just, and that's how our life sounds. This is going on in my marriage, and this is going on with my kids, and this is going on with my finances. And that's the melody that's going on in so many people's hearts. Why? Because the words of this world and the philosophies of men and the ideology and the politics are bombarding us and dwelling in us. And it's not making melody. It's making clanging cymbals and crashing brass. 
But he said when the word of God dwells in us in wisdom, it creates a melody and an admonishment that God has a plan and he wants to bring it together in such harmony and melody that it's a sweet song in the midst of our life. God's not working chaos and confusion. He's not the author of that. He is the author of peace. And when the word of God actually dwells in us richly, it begins to work peace in you. And we can confidently say God is working peace in me by his word because I have faith in the blood of Jesus. And he's redeemed me and delivered me from the power of sin. And now he's made me a son and a daughter, so I'm not subject to that any longer. And so peace begins to do that because my faith is in the blood and who I am. And now I have great faith that he's working something transformative in my life. He's taking the clashing and the clanging and the confusion And what nobody else could do, and he's bringing it together into a melody and a song. And when he gets that song in your heart, and it arises out of your heart in praise and worship, God jumps on that praise because it was originated in his own intention and his own word. And he jumps on that praise, and he rides on that praise towards that thing that is coming against you. And when you praise God in the midst of adversity, he jumps on that praise, and he attacks that thing that's coming against you. See, it's not just simply a song when the song starts playing, but it's a song that comes from your heart because the living word of God is living and abiding in us and it creates a melody and a song that then comes out that God's writing on because he's the originator of the song that comes out of your heart. Whew, I need to breathe. So he tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 that the word of God is alive, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder between the soul and the spirit, the thoughts and the intents of the heart. See, listen, when the word of God is there, (laughs) we all get to deal with God himself. See, when the word's not living there, I just speak the word. It's easy to just, all of a sudden, it shows up, thoughts and intentions In your heart, and it's easy to go away and say, well, I don't accept that. Pastor Mark said that, or some preacher said that, and they're just judging me. But when the word abides in your heart, it starts to show up. And you can't blame any man or any person. The word of God says, you can tell everybody you have good intentions, but the word of God shows up if you don't. And everybody can say you have bad intentions, but the word of God shows up that you have good intentions. See, when we let the word of God dwell in us richly, it begins to work a transforming process because it examines the thoughts and the intentions and we can't make excuses. And he starts to separate the good from the bad. And he starts to get the chaff out of our life. And that word of God begins to stir up the giftings and the talents. What is God doing? God is working a grace in your life to make you better at that grace than you ever dreamed possible. So the first thing that God is working in you is he's working by his word in so many ways, but one way is to expose the dark areas of your life that the enemy has put there by a stronghold and the word shows up, the intentions and the thoughts that I've had in the past. I see that God sees and that the word of God 
says no and I yield to the word and it begins to really show up the areas of my life. Number two, he is at work to strengthen you. He's at work in you, strengthening you. You may be at the end of this and say, I'm done with this. I'm so tired of this. I don't feel like I could do this anymore. And God says, when you come to the end of that in your marriage, in your family, in your job, and you know that you're in the will of God, he says, when you feel weak, then I'm strong. I'll strengthen you. And the strengthening of your inner man makes all the difference in the world. And so in Ephesians chapter 3, the apostle Paul begins to pray for the church. He says that I pray that God will strengthen you in your inner man by the Holy Spirit of God. What's he doing in that strengthening? That you would be rooted and grounded in love. That by the strengthening of the Spirit of God, you would know that Christ dwells in your heart through faith. And you're well established. You're, you're, you're rooted. You're grounded. You're established in that loving relationship with God. You come to that place that you realize and you understand and have faith in that God has worked in me. That it doesn't matter neither death nor life nor angels or principalities or powers or COVID or election or whatever it is. Nothing can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. Come on, we like to go, Paul went through his list, but you're going through things. We're going through things in our nation, and it gets us all toppled, and we get it into our attention. But when the Holy Spirit is strengthening us, we realize that we have a personal relationship with God as sons and daughters, and he's working in us to overcome every adversity, whether it's famine, whether it's financial downturn, whether it doesn't go the way we want in the elections, or whether it's COVID virus that's going on, that nothing can separate us from our relationship with God. And if we can't be separated from God, we cannot be separated from success. We cannot be separated from overcoming every adversity. We cannot be separated from what people thought was impossible becoming possible. He prayed similar in Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. He says, God will strengthen you with mighty power. I'm paraphrasing, but mighty power to walk in his will. Listen, when you think you can't do it, you have to have faith in what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. And that's where Paul said, when I'm, I feel weak, then I know that I'm strong because of what he's doing on the inside of me. Philippians chapter 2, many of you know this, starting in verse 12, he says, for it is God, it is God who is at work in me to will and to do of his good pleasure. See, so often we get our faith in and our reliance upon how we've done it before, what, what we've done in the past, how we've developed our life, how we've educated our life, but there's a place where we have to have faith. I'm not throwing all that out, but there was a place where we have to have faith in what God is doing in us to bring about his good pleasure, his gifts and his calling. God is every day at work in you, and you have to have faith that God is at work in me. And it will help you have faith that God is at work in your children, that God is at work in your spouse, that God is in work at people around you, that God is at work. When you have faith that he's at work in you, then you know he's no respecter of persons. He must be at work on the inside of others. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we've gone through this before. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. So what's he doing in there? What's he working in there? 
He's working transformation. The Holy Spirit is developing what we call the fruit of the Spirit. You have to have faith. When you have an encounter with somebody that's not positive and you want to get angry and you want to take an offense and you want to say they did that to me and I'll never get over it, you have to realize that I have faith that he's working in me love. The love that I can't muster up right now, the Holy Spirit's working that to develop that on the inside of me, and I believe it right now. See, we like to say, I can't do that. Don't ask me to do that. See, that gets under the law. I know I should, but I can't. Grace says, I know that I should and I can because he's doing something in me. He's working joy. And with that joy, he's working strength for you. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. He's working peace, peace that passes all understanding. He's working goodness. See, we get so caught up in people's personalities, and they're just not good. They're just not happy. That's just not the way they are. But God's superseding personality, and he's drawing from the Spirit a brand new life, a brand new demeanor, a brand new nature, and it's coming from the inside out, not the outside in. It's not dependent upon how things were before and who raised you. It's who's raising you up right now. We all know about that. I'm not throwing all that out. We all know how we've been raised and what that's done, but there's something different going on on the inside of it. We all know that. We don't even have to have faith in that. I am who I am because of what I've been taught, but we have faith in what Christ is doing on the inside of us right now. I may have not been a happy person, but the joy of the Lord is producing in me by the Spirit of God. I may be an anxious person. My mama was anxious. My daddy was anxious. We're just a worrying kind of family. But no more. He's working peace on the inside of you. And you have to have faith. Well, people have just said, we're just not good people. Listen, God's working goodness on the inside of you. Listen, we're just stubborn. We're not easily taught. He's working a meekness and a teachableness on the inside of you. Because he doesn't want you to miss out on anything he wants you to learn. Come on, so easy to put our faith in where we've been and what others have done, but we say, listen, this is what God is doing in me right now, and I believe it. I believe he's working in me something far better. I believe that he is transforming my life, as 2 Corinthians 3 says in 17 and 18. I've made him Lord, and he's changing me and transforming me from one degree of glory to the next By the Spirit of God. Just want to challenge you. Last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, did Jack stop and consciously say, God, I believe in what you're doing in me. I put your faith, I put my faith that you're working in me. I put my faith in the fact that you are developing a greater level of the fruit of the Spirit in me. I put my faith in that the Word of God is showing up areas of my life that I need to change, and I believe that, and I'll submit to that Word. Or did we just make it from Sunday to Sunday without even thinking about it? If we didn't think about it one time, how could we have been living by faith in it. We were thinking about something, weren't we? We were believing something, 
whether we were believing the opposing party was swindling somebody or whether we were believing that the coronavirus wasn't as important as we thought it was, whether we were believing that, that, that we weren't going to make this bill, we were thinking and believing something. So when the enemy says, well, it doesn't matter if you think about it, it does, and it matters to him, and that's why he's trying to give you what to think about. He's trying to plant what you think about, what you believe, what consumes the very front of your thinking. And we get a choice to say, you're taking the back seat. I'm not denying that things are happening, but I'm telling you, you're taking the back seat to what's most important in my life. And when I believe and put my faith in what's most important, it changes everything. It's not mental ascent. It's faith in God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand up with me? Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would deal with each and every one of us as only you can. Remind us today. Remind us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Remind us before encounters. Remind us after encounters with people to examine our hearts. What are we believing in? What are we trusting in? What are we putting our full faith in? What is coming out of our mouth? What is it that we're saying? What are we allowing to reside in our hearts that we truly might be those people who can declare with a factual boldness the life that I now live? I don't live by going to church on Sunday. I don't live by just reading a devotional. I live by faith in the Son of God because he loved me and gave himself for me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're watching online, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this powerful life of faith is available to every single person who will start in faith and believe in what Jesus Christ has done for you. You might have gone to church all of your life. You might have it in your head, but you say, you know what? In my heart, I've never really just totally turned over lordship to Jesus Christ. This is where it begins. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. He comes in. He washes your sin away, your past away makes all things brand new. And now the life that you live, you live by faith in what he's done, who he's made you to be, what he's doing in you, and the divine purpose he has for you. If you've never made that step to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, today's your day. As we started this series, today is the day of salvation. If you need Jesus Christ, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, raise your hand. I want to pray with you this morning. See that hand? Anybody else? Anybody else want to join this one? Make Jesus the Lord of their life. Anybody watching by live stream? We can't see your hand. But if that's you, let's all pray this prayer together. If you raise your hand, pray this for the first time from your heart. Just repeat after me. Say, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I declare to you, I'm tired of living life my way. And so I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I believe that you died for my sin and that God raised you from the dead so that I could be justified and live in newness of life. Thank you for saving me. I purpose to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.
If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you're in the room, we have altar workers up here, I, I just come up and say, I prayed that prayer. I want to give you a packet of mini books uh, that will help you along your way, along your path. Uh, uh, and if you're watching by online, you can go on to the app and uh, uh, touch the tell your story and let us know that you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. We want to give you that same gift and rejoice with you about that newness of life. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus. Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight.